Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni here. And John, we filed a, uh, a, a brief this past week in the state of Rhode Island in a case where we have been representing uh, oral surgeon Dr. Stephen Scully, uh, where he's been uh, practicing critically needed dental care. And the state has been, uh, you know, up until about this time last year, the state was all over his case, trying to keep him from treating patients, uh, even though none of his patients had ever gotten COVID-19 from him, even though he was masking up. Uh, I mean, if you look at the video on our website, I mean, he's got more masks <laughs> than than, uh, than I've ever seen one person have on before. Uh, and, and he was doing this before COVID-19. This is apparently the standard sort of masking protocols for, uh, for dental surgery. Uh, and yet they were continuing to come after him and not allowing him to see patients because he wasn't vaccinated. Meanwhile, people who were vaccinated, even if they had come down with active cases of COVID-19, were being allowed to see patients. Just an absolute sort of bizarre kind of thing that you could only come up with uh, in the, the sort of demented mind of a bureaucrat <laughs> with, with that sort of uh, oppositional thing happening makes sense uh, to, to anyone. But um, uh, but anyway, that a lot of what we sought uh, in that case, the, uh, the state of Rhode Island eventually, you know, had to agree with us and they, they let Dr. Scully get back to, to practicing and so forth. But there is one problem, uh, that, uh, you know, that hasn't been, uh, resolved yet. Uh, and that is that we still haven't gotten a declaratory, uh, relief and we still haven't, uh, gotten any sort of damages for the, for the first amendment violation uh, here for Dr. Scully. And you might say a oh, first amendment violation. I thought this was about uh, Dr. Scully being able to see patients and whether or not he had to be vaccinated. Well, what we have been able to, to show and what we're continuing to claim in this complaint uh, is that the state of Rhode Island was uh, that this, that the state of Rhode Island was uh, uh, retaliating against Dr. Scully and singling him, singling him out for uh, for this sort of treatment, precisely because he had publicly voiced his opposition to what the state of Rhode Island was doing, and that they wouldn't have done this, but for uh, his uh, speech. And this was part of the original complaint, and the state has not admitted that, and that has not been adjudicated. That continues to be an important part uh, of this uh, of this case. And so uh, we are continuing to battle against the government's uh, retaliation um, over his opposition to the vaccine uh, mandate. And, and one thing to, to know about uh, Dr. Scully is that, um, you know, in addition to, uh, to practicing, he was also uh, the head of a uh, nonprofit organization uh, in Rhode Island. And uh, John, I'm blanking on the name of that. I don't know if you remember. It's like the Rhode Island Center for Freedom and Prosperity. It's something yeah. like that. Yes. I, might, I might be off yes. by a word or so. Uh, but in any event, 
he was uh, his opposition to the vaccine was something that was well known in Rhode Island, partly because of his position as the chairman of this nonprofit right. organization, and and uh, and so you could see why the government might want to single the him vaccine out. mandate. I'm sorry, what did I say? Vaccine. No, You're right to the vaccine mandate. Absolutely right. Uh, and his opposition to taking the vaccine himself wasn't based on the vaccine, really. It was based on the fact that he had uh, Bell's palsy previously and that there's documented uh, evidence in the in the vaccine uh, sort of data, testing data, safety data, uh, that uh, it can trigger yeah, Bell's they, palsy. And, and, and the pharmaceutical companies say that. That's right. Yeah, that's not just something that he's saying. So he had a good reason uh, not to uh, uh, not to, to get this particular vaccine, but he's not anti-vaccination. He's been vaccinated with many other kinds of, of, uh, of vaccines and, uh, and, uh, you know, is, is happy to, to do that. But, but he did have a concern about this particular vaccine mandate and the, the sort of irrationality that I was right. talking about earlier, where no matter and, and how that, well he masked, he and, couldn't. And that was well known in Rhode Island. That's right. So, so like I say, you can see why the state of Rhode Island might uh, want to be singling him out, but the state can't do that, John. And, and, and this this goes back to sort of the, the California doctor's case that we were talking about last week, where we uh, we had the, the nice victory there that Janine Eunice uh, and uh, uh, and our colleague Greg Dolan were able to secure uh, out there. The state can't punish the speech of doctors or dentists or oral surgeons uh, because they disagree with the state's narrative when it comes to uh, a vaccine mandate or you know, any other aspect of the healthcare system, but it sure looks to us like that's what happened in Dr. Scully's case. I mean, they, uh, for months after they already had agreed to let him back to practice and so forth, they kept up on the state's website, this sort of statement that, uh, you know, that he was, uh, somehow, um, being investigated for, uh, and I might not be saying that exactly right, but that, but that he was, uh, that, that what he was doing was problematic from the state's yeah, perspective. Or sanctionable. Sanctionable. It, it was sanctionable, and they took that down. Eventually. Eventually. But, but they, they left it up for a long time. Right. And, and, it, and, and I think the, the other th- the, the thing about this is, is that they're, they're, they can't just quash people's views on these. The other thing you, you did, haven't mentioned, I think we've mentioned it before, is he's taking care of prisoners and the indigent yeah. much of the time. He was one, of the, health o- one of the only guys, oral maxillofacial surgery is a, is a tricky business. Um, there aren't so many of them. It's not like any dentist can do the, the real oral maxillofacial surgery. And there's a shortage in Rhode Island. Yeah, and, and, and so that's what he was doing. And he was kicked out of doing that for people who have very little um, access to this. And when, and when you need jaw surgery, you need jaw surgery. It's not. <laughs> well, yeah. And imagine if you're a, if you're an inmate at the, at the prison or you're an, uh, or you're a patient at the mental health facility and, and now you have tooth pain that isn't being treated because you're, you don't have access to an oral surgeon right. anymore. Or a broken jaw. I, I can't imagine that that makes things easier on the, the warden or the no. or the people who are trying to manage uh, either the prison or the, the mental health facility. Uh, and yet that's what uh, Rhode Island brought on itself. Now it did try to bring in some temporary folks and so forth uh, to to mitigate that. But, uh, you know, no one was really taking the place of Dr. Scully and, and the, the quality of the care and the kind of specialized care that he provided and people, he, he had designed, John, his his uh, operating theater in a way that they could bring in, he had a large elevator and so forth, that they could bring in these 
gurneys directly from the mental health facility or from the prison. And uh, other people didn't have that kind of uh, facility uh, available. Uh, so they also put up a poster of him at the prison uh, with a picture, like some sort of FBI wanted poster, John, of Dr. Scully no. saying, oh, yeah, saying, do not let this man, you know, on the premises. Uh, and it's not like he had tried to go on there or said that he was going to defy the order to, you know, to, to, to visit or something like that. Uh, it really just looked like uh, a a warning to well, other doctors right. not to follow in right. Dr. Scully's intrepid footsteps. Plus in a place where they'd recognize wanted posters. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, speaking the language of the folks who who maybe are living uh, in that space or working in that space. But uh, uh, but in any event, uh, you know, this this looked a lot like us uh, or looked to us a lot like, I should say, retaliation and retaliation for his exercising of, of his First Amendment rights. That's unequivocally prohibited. Uh, and courts have denied qualified immunity to officials uh, who have uh, you know, been on the wrong end of these sorts of uh, activities. Uh, you know, here, the government officials, per their own admission, prohibited Dr. Scully from practicing dentistry. Uh, and they said that he did it because he opened his big mouth and essentially admitted that, he, that they were doing it in retaliation for his public opposition to the vaccine uh, mandate. Uh, but fortunately, as I say, Dr. Scully is has resumed his, his medical practice, and the, the issue in front of the court now is addressing this First Amendment right. And the reason why that's still important, John, is because uh, this kind of thing could happen again. If you don't discipline the officials for this kind of conduct, then you're essentially letting them know that they can get away with this. And what we want to let uh, Governor McKee and the other uh, public officials in Rhode Island know is you can't get away with this. And if you try to uh, to crack down on someone because you don't like their uh, what they're saying about the public policy decisions uh, that you've made, then you're going to be facing not just a, a lawsuit with declaratory judgment and, and a potential injunction. You're going to be facing a lawsuit where someone's seeking personal damages from you because you have uh, violated something that's clearly established. This isn't a new idea that you can't do 1983 this. type deal. It's a 1983 type deal. It's a, uh, uh, and it's a, um, uh, and it's, as I say, because there isn't a qualified uh, immunity, uh, you, you, you ought to be able to get the relief from these, uh, these public officials, as I, because it, again, it's clearly established that, the right to be free from selective prosecution on the basis of one's public statements is is clearly established. And we also assert that the defendants can't show that administrative actions they took against Dr. Scully would have been taken absent the retaliatory motive. And the reason we know that is because they didn't take these actions against any other doctors, even though there were other doctors who were unvaccinated. So it looks a little, you know, they're on very thin ice here, I think. Uh, and the facts here are a little bit unusual too, because the governor himself directly called Dr. Scully. So you don't always have that uh, sort of helpful fact, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in your in your lawsuit. Um, but in any event, we think Dr. Scully has more than pleaded sufficient facts to survive uh, the the motion to dismiss here, the motion under twelve b six. And so you know, it's it will be in the in the court's hands now. It's fully briefed. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've responded to, uh, to the state. So uh, be anxious to see uh, what what happens here. I've this is in state court. Uh, no, this is in uh, federal okay. federal district court in uh, in Rhode Island. There is a there is a parallel sort of state proceeding on some, but we're right, not right, right, we're right. not representing okay. him in Got that 
uh, in, in that. Uh, and so just uh, wanted to, to uh, congratulate our colleague, uh, uh, Greg Dolan, who worked on that California case as well. He's doing good work here, and we'll keep you posted on what happens. Hello, welcome back to Administrative Static. Uh, I want to talk about a motion to dismiss that we filed, and there's many aspects to it. This is, we have a client, <clears throat> PPO and Margaret Lewis, and they were sued by the FTC for uh, purportedly deceptive statements about a uh, product they sold, which is dietary supplement, vitamins, basically. So uh, the FDA reg regulates what you can say about vitamins, but the FTC and it's never-ending quest to regulate all things um, and, and never, never, ever cabin its um, remit from the government says that uh, it's allowed also to regulate these things. And when it doesn't like what you said about vitamins, it will bring an action. It's, it's, it's a civil action, but it sounds in deception. Um, and uh, our, our client, PPO, had a... Uh, First, there was a, uh, a product called COVID Resist that never sold. They sent a letter to the FTC and said, what do you think about this? And the FTC sent a letter back saying, we're not going to tell you what we think about this, but here's a bunch of cases that we've, that we've brought and things we've done. So this was never sold, ever. Not a pill, not a, not a, a vial, nothing. And uh, yet in the complaint, they, they say that because they put things on a website that they can be fined and punished for that. Well, that's just free speech. I mean, if you don't sell anything, um, it seems to me the Federal Trade Commission needs, you know, trade. It's right there in the name. But that isn't what I want to talk to uh, talk about today, because in this motion to dismiss, I think we have um, for administrative law mavens, we have a much more powerful argument one that I think has to be brought all over the country and prosecuted all over the country. And that is under modern Supreme Court jurisprudence, the FTC isn't allowed to bring these suits. And all the suits the FTC brings um, are done without constitutional warrant. And some of you administrative law mavens out there are saying, wait a minute, wasn't there a case, Humphrey's executor, that I all learned in law school that says the FTC is a constitutional uh, agency? You did read that, and uh, that case does exist, but that case has to be held to its facts. Back in the 1920s when it was decided, there was no prosecutory ability of the FTC to bring actions in court, which is the prerogative of the executive. Now, some of you are saying, well, John, certainly the FTC is an executive agency. Not so fast. The FTC has five appointed commissioners. They're appointed, um, uh, they can't all be in, sort of staggered, but, but the real problem is they cannot be terminated by the president except for cause. 
and the modern, well, both the ancient and modern, and we've just had a, uh, inters, a, 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 a middle period when this wasn't the case, but always if a officer cannot be uh, fired by the president, he shouldn't be using executive power because executive power belongs only to the president. The, um, the Article 2, and for all you Biden judicial nominees out there, Article 2 is the one that says what the president's powers are, what the executive powers are. Um, it says that uh, the, all executive power is vested in the, United, in the president. So if you're running around exercising executive power and you're not the president or one of his duly authorized appointees that he can remove, um, there's a problem. So what the FTC Act allows, now I, I've got to go back a little bit because the FTC acts lawlessly a lot of times. And one of the things they did for 40 years, 40 years, was take people's money with no authorization from Congress. It was called disgorgement. And the FTC went around saying, uh, you've defrauded these people, we're going to take the money. Um, maybe they'd return it to the people they said it was taken from. Maybe they wouldn't, but nothing allowed them to do that. They used the word injunction, which means um, an order from a court to stop doing something or, or to do something, but usually to stop something. And they said, okay, now that means disgorgement too, which it didn't. And eventually in a case called AMG, uh, in which we put, a, uh, we put an amicus brief in and sort of detailed all the ways the FTC had slowly euchred the courts into giving them this power. Um, that was overturned. The court says, no, you don't have to disgorgement power. Congress knows how to say that word. Well, here in this case, we argue that Humphrey's executor, the FTC has to be held to its own uh, uh, arguments and the facts in Humphrey's executor. The FTC Act has been amended, and that amendment has given the FTC commissioners much more power than they had back in the 1920s. And one of those powers is to take something that belongs to the Justice Department, the ability to prosecute the civil laws of the United States, and given it in some instances to the FTC. Now, there's another area that for a lot of people is a very, very big deal, and that is antitrust. There is an agreement between the FTC and justice on how antitrust is prosecuted. I believe that that's not allowable to the FTC either, but I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about the deception and unfairness, um, uh, straight up claims. Because the commissioners can't be removed, they are not allowed to bring an action in the courts, which only the Justice Department can do. And under this statute that they have claimed is section uh, FTC Act, I think it's 19, and, and uh, the, the, the COVID uh, Act 2020, they think that um, what, what they have to do is they have to take the complaint and they send it to the Justice Department and they say, hello, Justice Department, uh, this is what we want to do to this guy. Do you want to do it? And then the Justice Department has to review it and the Justice Department says, no, I'm not bringing this case. Well, when the Justice Department says they're not bringing a civil case, that should be the end of it, particularly when the only other person, other organization that's allowed to um, prosecute the case is a unconstitutionally constituted agency, such as the FTC. 
So right out of the box, we have moved to state that you don't have um, a cause of action here because you're not the ones to bring this. And um, we also argue that, look, there's all these allegations in here about COVID resist uh, vitamin and, and, um, and that wasn't ever sold. So you got to throw those out as well. And there's some other ones as well, but I, I do think that there's a couple of things going on here. First, the FTC obviously believes that it's perfectly finely constituted and that Humphrey's executor gives it all the power in the world forever. Because obviously um, the lower courts are bound by what the Supreme Court has to say. And we agree with that as we must. Uh, and we agree that uh, it Humphrey's executive, if they were doing what they did in Humphrey's executive exactly, well, we'd be bound by that, but that's not what's happening here. There are new sections of the FTC Act which did not get rid of the unconstitutional removal provisions of the FTC Act. So uh, I think uh, what's going to happen is the court's going to have to look at this seriously. I hope it will. We are in San Francisco, um, and we are also making free speech arguments. And uh, I and, and it'll go to the Ninth Circuit, but, but I, whatever we think about administrative law, I've always felt that... Uh, I hate to say this, it should probably be repeated back to me, but I think that the Ninth Circuit and the judges within it, and it also also in San Francisco, um, are uh, better on free speech than some other parts of the country. Um, I don't have a, a – I, I think there's good reason to believe that, and so I certainly think the free speech arguments will get a fair hearing there and, and, uh, and, and may prevail, but I really hope – that we get some type of rulings because I think that with an administrative law, the ability that we had Sheng on earlier today, he's talking about the appointments, how you're appointed. If you have this kind of power, you have to be appointed by the president in a proper way. Um, and then, uh, you know, you, you have to be the, the right kind of, of officer in order to do certain things. And the court has been very serious about this. They've been serious in Lucia. They've been serious in free enterprise. Uh, these are big Supreme Court cases. So it's it's a no fooling around doctrine nowadays. And so I think it should be taken seriously. And I will note, and I will be noting this, uh, it, both in pleadings and elsewhere. There were two cases that, that uh, there was AMG, which came out of the Ninth Circuit. And the Ninth Circuit had said that... Um, that, uh, yeah, they get disgorgement because they've gotten disgorgement for 40 years. In this case, Amy Travel. So Amy Travel had come out of the Seventh Circuit. And the Seventh Circuit had said long ago in the 70s. Doesn't seem that long ago, but I now know it's long ago in the 70s. Um, they had said in Amy Travel that the, FD, the FTC had this disgorgement power. But the Seventh Circuit came out in another case, right? It was a companion case to AMG. And they said, um, no, we were wrong. We we created Amy Travel and all you circuits out there that have followed it. You, you, you. It's just like I said about Animal House earlier. You you were foolish. You you listened to us, um, and so so the Seventh Circuit backed out uh, of its own and overturned its precedent, and the Ninth Circuit didn't, and the Ninth Circuit got reversed. So I'm hoping to get a good result sooner than the Supreme Court uh, in this particular argument about appointments and about a properly constituted agency. But um, I think it's an interesting argument. Phil Hamburger 
uh, has written about this and about what Humphrey's executor does and doesn't do. And I think he's right. And I think that the courts ought to be presented this oftentimes if your client is out there and the FTC has brought a claim against it and um, the Justice Department has turned down that claim. Um, it's a scandal that the FTC can even disagree with the Justice Department about anything. But that's where we sit right now. But uh, God willing, the creeks don't rise. We won't sit there forever. And uh, so please watch that case. It's FTC versus PPO. It'll be out of San Francisco, Northern District, California. Thank you for listening to the Administrative Staff.